want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. Follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with my book releases, book tour, all of that good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. I'm really excited to have Dr. M on the line today. Dr. M is the president of Impact Institute for the Digital Economy. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. And can you please say your full name for me? Because I, I, I like I, I couldn't <laughs> get the introduction done, and I'll call myself out. I couldn't pronounce the name right, and I did not want to butcher it. But please pronounce the full name. No, first. absolutely. <laughs> and I believe I say it better than anyone, at least anyone who, <laughs> who is in in the U.S. and in the Western world. So it is Michaela Uliero. It sounds melodic, right? But probably if you would say it, it would be a bit different. So it's better to keep it to Dr. M. I, I like it, and it, it does sound much better when you say it than when I try. Um, <laughs> perfect. Well, um, I'm really excited to get into your background and what we're what you're doing with the Impact Institute for the Digital Economy. But before we go into that and what you're doing now, let's talk about your past a little. Um, How did you get started as an entrepreneur and in business? Yes, and of course, like probably everyone who you are talking to, it's not a linear path. So no life is linear. Um, and so was mine. I mean, I started in the workforce, let's call it this way, as an academic. Uh, I went to uh, Berkeley for a postdoc, then I went to Canada for another postdoc, and then I climbed the academic ladder to the Canada Research Chair in eSociety. And what that is, I will tell you when I talk about the Impact Institute. But along my academic career, I came across very gifted uh, young uh, people young students who started in my lab very interesting projects. My first, uh, one of my first master's students was Garrett Camp. He was at the University of Calgary at the time. And uh, he did a master's called uh, In Order, which became StumbleUpon that was uh, purchased by Google, which brought Garrett to San Francisco. And then he met Travis, and guess what? Uber was started by them. So from my early academic years, I kept inspiring young entrepreneurs. And of course, I started to make by myself, you know, the industry, starting companies, all this excitement. I lived it over and over and over with them. However, it's not only that. So um, I also uh, raised, if I may, yes, in my lab, also young academics who are very promising. One of my latest PhD students, um, Alexis Morris, he got the Canada Research Chair in the Internet of Things in Toronto. So um, it doesn't matter whatever career path they want to take. Important is that uh, I nurture them to be the best that they can be and that uh, they accomplish their dreams. However, as I was mentioning along the way, I got excited about many of the startups of my former students, and some of them I just met at conferences. Like, for example, uh, Yaniv, the CEO of Endor, who later on went to MIT and started the company Endor at the MIT Media Lab. And last year, I focused very much on helping them uh, be connected and start with their, uh, at the time, they started an ICO which was a very exciting time. 
So anyway, long story short, it was mainly that I was inspired by the work of uh, the young people who I was mentoring in my lab to become myself an entrepreneur. So you, you have obviously, based on your position and what you're doing, you have access and you've, you've helped a lot of younger entrepreneurs that were, you know, uh, just starting out. What are some common mistakes that you see a lot of entrepreneurs doing um, that you've come across? <laughs> yes, I agree. And especially, you know, in the, in the early years, um, when, of course, this will sound very, uh, well, I don't want to qualify it myself, but you may not like what I say. So first of all, they don't like to listen to others. And I know they are very gifted. Yes, first of all, they are very gifted, they are very smart, and they know that. But they do not listen. And I think it's very, very good for them to take advice from those who have been there before and really listen to their advice, even if it goes so, uh, against what they see in the moment and what they want to do. So I had a few... Uh, who have done quite radical mistakes. I don't want to give examples here. No, of but, course. <laughs> so, so this is definitely one, a big one, yes. Uh, the second one is do not, um, you know, extend yourself more than how much your cover can cover. <laughs> so this is like a metaphor. So most of them want to do too much too soon. And then they realize, oh, my God, we just got engaged in so much and we cannot do it. Or we raise too much money and what are we going to do now? Or, you know, so, so rushing in is not good. Again, listen, patience, step by step, and uh, be rather frugal than uh, too greedy in the beginning, especially when raising funds. That makes a lot of sense. And so... Um... Do, do most of these people use a lot of mentors? I mean, I'm just kind of curious. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the mentorship model? That's another one, yes. And, and this is an excellent question because I'm just faced myself right now with uh, a startup uh, which asked me to help. But they have a lot, like, you know, really a, a, a number of mentors at least listed on their website, which is a colossal number of mentors. And, of course, this is great to have mentors and so on. But I just do not know how can they work with so many. So uh, the number of mentors, uh, of course, that also has to be balanced. And it's not about how quantity, it's about quality. And especially about the range of skills which the mentors cover. Because you want to have, of course, the best mentorship for a particular area, like for finances, one mentor, for technology, another, for strategy, another, and so on and so forth. And you can pull people from those, but more than five, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, of course, uh, and when I say mentor, I mean advisors yeah, mm -hmm. for the company, which are more or less official advisors. Otherwise, yes, take as much advice. <laughs> the advice is free, and many entrepreneurs like to give advice. So take as much as possible, yes? But put on your team those who you definitely need, and from various areas. You know, I like it. All, all great advice. Um, let's let's switch it up a little. I want to talk more about what you're doing over um, as president at Impact Institute for the Digital Economy. Um, if you can just start by explaining what that is exactly, and then um, and let us know how you're helping people. 
Absolutely. And that, again, is uh, something which emerged from my work. Uh, and that work, as I mentioned, with the Canada Research Chair in creating information infrastructure that connected people, uh, and that means e-society. But now, you know, they and such my research evolved accordingly. Now, it's not only people, but it's people and intelligent software capsules, softbots, people and physical machines like drones and so on and so forth, and even our phones. And so now it's like the society is enhanced uh, by a totally, you know, different and parallel universes, if uh, you allow me to say that. So we need to learn to play in this new universe. So we need to redefine the rules of the game. And how do we redefine that is by new policies. Uh, we all know about the data conundrum and what's happening now with uh, uh, leaving delete Facebook movement and so on and so forth. So how do we rewrite the rules to actually play in this new universe in a safe manner and respectful manner for the human in the first place? The Impact Institute for the Digital Economy, the word impact means innovation management and policy accelerated with communication technologies. And that means the purpose is to define these rules, to play better in this social technological universe which keeps emerging and uh, in which we live without even being aware of that because, and of course it alters us. It's kind of like a provocation to human nature if uh, you allow me to put it this way. Because I personally cannot drive without Google Maps anymore. So in a way it's like, yes, here we are. So I, I remember, however, time in which I was driving with the map, you know, unfolded big on my lap and I like, I, you know, looking on the map and driving at the same time and looking for the street names. So there was a time like that. But now we are changing and we are changing with technology and technology is provoking this change. So how do we do it so we can really do it in the right way? That is uh, what I mainly do. Um, I'm, I'm exploring the social technological universe and of course, some of the startups which I'm mentoring are also uh, supporting this. What are some of the interesting things you've noticed as you kind of get further and further in your in your research and going down this um, path? Absolutely, and uh, you know, so it's um, of course very hot right now. <clears throat> is the data? Yeah, as I mentioned, the data conundrum. Um, what I wanted to mention is the the new a movement to empowering the individual in the digital universe. So mm -hmm. we, uh, uh, I was, you know, in, through my collaboration with MIT, we came up with this uh, book called From Bitcoin to Burning Man and Beyond, The Quest for Autonomy and Sovereignty in the Digital Society. And uh, I wrote there a chapter on uh, organic governance. And what that means, you know, the premise was, that the cyberspace and the desert are both sandboxes for experimentation in which we can play with simulations with real humans in the desert and simulations in cyberspace and see if it would be to start society all over again. How would we do it better? And yesterday I was uh, at a meeting with uh, Katie Coleman, who is a very famous astronaut, She's a, a lady astronaut and a former uh, USAF pilot, 
um, graduate from MIT, like a superhuman, I would say. And she mm -hmm. was telling us something very similar, because of course they are looking at the Earth. She was looking from, you know, from up in space to, to, to our planet Earth, and spaceship Earth, as you're saying, it is a spaceship. Yeah, and we are all in it together. It's like on Star Trek, but we have to find our place and the rightful place and the right rules and the right mindsets so we can live in harmony, both among each other, but also with nature. So anyway, I can speak a lot, but this is the main trend. And I can give you examples from some of the companies which I'm working on and how they are solving this. But I do not know if we have time in these 15 minutes. Yeah, let, let's do one. I'm just curious. Let's do one. Okay, so one is because I mentioned Facebook, and this is the most advanced, and uh, also your listeners can already check them out and jump on board if they are jumping, if they're ready to jump off the, the Facebook ship, <laughs> they can embark on Sapien Network. What they do, they are solving uh, many of the issues with the centralized uh, digital media platform Facebook is actually plugged with because uh, people are not happy to get advertisement in which they are not interested. On the other side, advertisers have no idea who is watching their ads for which they pay a lot. And so, so there is kind of a disconnect on this huge centralized platform. Uh, what Sapien Network is doing, they are using blockchain to connect people, sovereign individuals, as I was mentioning, directly to the advertisers. So the platform practically, you know, takes just a nominal fee, for, which is much, much, much more reasonable, and the advertisers are actually paying back the individuals who are sharing their data and who are now getting all the reward. So it's, it's kind of working for a better, fairer society. Another good thing which they are doing is uh, because now you can incentivize the individuals uh, to contribute to the platform, better news, as well as curating the platform, you can incentivize that through blockchain because now we can do micropayments. Uh, they are solving implicitly also the fake news problem because they can enlist curators and experts who will be rewarded in those micropayments by, uh, for their work to keep the platform uh, with truthful information and also signal when there's something which is not, uh, which is fake. No, that's great. I mean, you got, you gave me a whole lot here. And, uh, and so if somebody wants to, if somebody wants to get in touch with, uh, with your company or research a little bit more about what you're talking about, uh, what's the best place for them to reach you? Absolutely. And again, in the spirit of the digital society, um, I am transparent. There is a book actually by Don Tapsot called Radical Transparency. So all my work is online, uh, of course, except for IPs and, and the work with, uh, with company, which I have mm -hmm. NDAs with. But you can, if you Google my name, <laughs> Mihaela Ulieru, and I hope uh, you can spell that for your uh, audience, you can find a lot about me. You are, you know, welcome to befriend me on LinkedIn and send me an, uh, a message when you invite me because otherwise I will not accept it. I want to know why you are inviting me. So we can start the conversation. And All if right. you want to go to my repository, use the impactinstitute.org. That is my website with all the repository of my work. 
All right. Well, hey, Dr. M, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come out on the show today and to um, and to give some of my listeners your, your background and also some of the interesting things you're working on in the digital economy. So really appreciate that. And to the listeners, as always, thank you for your time and tuning in. Um, have a wonderful day. And thank you, Dr. M. 